Man, the issues with geography and donations. I am your host, Pease Del Riz. <laughs> it is Division 3. This is Calling the Audible. You are Simon Dagenet. Hi, hi, yes, I am. Who are you? I just said my name. Whoa, what's that? Hi, Eagle. Hello. Who are you? I am Eagle. I'm Hollow. Uh, there's lots of kind of banks out there, and not all of them store cash. Um, I am Pease. I don't look good with bangs. I'm not Are you sure? <laughs> Let's try. I feel like we should try this. <laughs> My hair will never be long enough for bangs. Although we'll it gets kind of, it just goes upward. We'll My hair is upwardly mobile. We'll figure it out. Unlike my, unlike my economics, my hair is upwardly mobile. Okay, let's talk about the week that was first. Awesome. The game that mattered. Well, we'll talk about the games like lightweights. We'll talk about the game that mattered. What happened with lightweight? Uh, nothing. The game didn't matter. It mattered for one team, but it just didn't matter in the end. But what happened in the end? Uh, we lost to Trinity. Mm. And then Trinity thought they were in the playoffs. And then when Junker Dogs won, Trinity was out. So this is what happened this week. In Which we lost, week. Sorry? So you lost? Oh, yeah, yeah. You're not even on the camera. You can't talk. Uh, okay, so the game that the game that ended up mattering. Jaguars lost to Sweat and Beers. 48-33. For 48-38. So Jaguars would have clinched playoffs with a win. Or if they lose, then they put their fate in other teams' hands. Jaguars lost. To Sweat and Beers. Great so, game by Sweat and Beers, by the way. Yeah. The, but because they lost, it ended up being... Like they, they, they don't control their own fate. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's, crazy, what's crazy too is that was the first game of the weekend. Yep. Was the first game of the weekend was Jaguars take on Sweat and Mirrors. They lose 48-38. And then they have to wait for a billion games to happen. Oh, yeah. Well, they knew on Monday they were out. Okay. S- the commission, Still a billion games. exact same scenario. When you're in, lose, you need other teams to lose. Commission lost to Cougars 26-25. Heartbreaking. Now that puts Jaguars and Commission at 11 points, 5-4-1. Because the crew won, the crew jumped both these guys, which pushed Jaguars out on Monday night or Sunday night for Monday. Anyways, now fast forward to Wednesday night. Uh, Mass in the flag is playing. Score your girlfriend. Score your girlfriend. Five and four. If they win the game, this is crazy. If they win this game, they need to win to make the playoffs. Tie or lose, they're out. Uh, makes it. Someone, someone uh, notable was missing. To watch this game. Oh, yeah. The, the Division Three writer who uh, Mokan and myself messaged before the game saying you should be here for this because first it involves your team. Two, it's your division. Said, I don't need to be there. I trust this team. They're my boys. They're going to get us this W. They're going to get us this dub. Said, all right. So uh, the, the game, no no show Division Five was playing before. So Don Benevento was at the field. He stayed to watch the game because it did impact whether he was going to play in the playoffs or not. So score your girlfriend plays match in the flag. Game starts off a bit sloppy. Uh, Matt's in the flag. Uh, the, like, it's 7-7 for a little while. Matt's in the flag finally picks it up. Score back-to-back. Now it's 21-7. to There's about seven or eight minutes in the second half. Uh, score the girlfriend gets the ball back. Manages to... S- so they score. Uh, get the two-point... Uh, they score, but miss the point... The, 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 the PT. So it's 21-13. Matt's in the flag gets the ball back with, like, five minutes left can't do anything offensively, give the ball back to, to score your girlfriend after a punt. 
Now, Skrull Girlfriend drives the field, slowly scores, get the two-point convert to tie the game at 21. There's about three minutes left in the game. Finally, Max in the Flags offense wakes up, drives the field, scores, gets the extra point. For one, they go up 28-21 with six plays left in the game. Now, like I said, Max in the Flags season was on the line. They need to win to make it in. Drives the field. Second to last for the game, score. Now they're down to point. There is a like a bazillion guys on the sideline, myself included, screaming for. They're looking at themselves. Should we go for one? Should we go for a tie? I said, if you go, for, if you tie, you don't make playoffs. So don't go for that. They go for two. They take a timeout just before the convert to like talk it over. Get the convert. Go up to go up a point twenty nine twenty eight. Leave one play to Maxine the flag. Maxine the flag's quarterback that doesn't have the arm to get it across the field to the end zone. Balls batted down. Score the girlfriend wins. Knocks out the commission, and. Brent Bakken, who was being FaceTimed on the sideline for the last drive, was screaming. It was amazing. It was a pretty good moment. Mm-hmm. It was a very, very good game. And uh, so the commission, because he lost, doesn't make the playoffs. Jaguars, because he lost, doesn't make the playoffs. That's insane. It's, That's it's crazy. Insane. It's, it's just an insane set of circumstances. And again, like when you think of all the things that tied into it, like how Trinity thought they were in, oh, yeah. not in. So Trinity commission thinks they're in. Not in. Jaguars waiting to see. Not yeah. in. And then yeah. the way, and then the commission literally coming down to the last play on the convert. Same thing. It's a similar scenario for the commission uh, for Trinity. They played on Sunday. They beat lightweight, so they think they make the playoffs at five and five. Junkyard Dogs needed a lot of things to go their way, so they Junkyard Dogs had two games this week. They won the first one. Get a second game on Wednesday night against Blue Chips, who's the second seed in the conference. But not an easy game. Mm-hmm. They need to, to win and old blue chips less than 21 points, which, again, is very difficult because yeah. it's a good offense. Uh, and Junker Dogs played sloppy. like they, they weren't playing like a team that needs to hold the other team to less than 20 points. They were scoring fast, like three plays score, give the ball back to the other team. That seemed bizarre, them. right? It was a very bizarre feeling, but it worked out. Like Jordan, Denzel, Eddie Lowe had a monster game rushing Jordan Mitchell. Like he, he, I think Jordan Mitchell had like one good run. That was it. Uh, kept getting sacks, a lot of pressure, a lot of bad plays. Just before the half, Jordan Mitchell gets an OC. Breaking news. For, uh, you know, saying shit he shouldn't say. What did he say? Uh, I wasn't, I was too far What away. do you think he said? Uh, something stupid. He probably quoted Mokan's script. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rips like a head of this shit. So he gets his third Toss OC. Toss up. Which gets him suspended next week. Next week is playoffs. Yeah. Breaking news. How do you think that impacts their chances? Uh, Alex Holowax is also in the studio. Because Simo has just been talking nonstop for 45 minutes. I have a, a, a compendium called The History of the World at Home. And I think it's a little bit uh, shorter than, than Simon's uh, <laughs> recap from the last couple minutes. Although, uh, I think that Blue Chips without Jordan Mitchell, unfortunately, should be kaput. Uh, he's their quarterback. He's their workhorse. He is their offense for all intents and purposes. So without him, I just don't see that other guy who's going to step into that role and uh, deliver uh, for them to successfully compete in such a competitive uh, Division Three playoff race yeah um it's sad it's just uh it's sad because of the uh the stigma of blue chips always failing to deliver in the playoffs it looks like it's going to be the case once again this year yeah uh, if if they do if they manage to win which we'll talk about a little bit later it's a huge huge game like there's i don't see it happening but that would be crazy win for blue chips if they win without the quarterback the team that has the quarterback they stud yes Number one seed, 
Taking yeah. on Junkyard Dogs. Yeah. Junkyard Dogs, like I said, managed to stop Blue Chips from scoring 20 points. Mm-hmm. 18. While also rushing. They played in week five. Junkyard Dogs won 39-37. to But it's still lost two games this season. Junkyard Dogs was one of them. Yeah. Junkyard Dogs, as much as it's it's fun to hate on, they've got some talented players. When they When they're on, they look really good. It just doesn't happen often. I think that Jordan Ross is a little bit out of his depth. And in a game like this against the stud, their defense is not going to stop them. Nobody really stopped the studs this season. Yeah. So it's going to come down to can Jordan Rossi keep up with Sam Cajon? And the answer is no. Um, does it, can, anyone st- can anyone on uh, Junkyard Dog stop Felix Lafon? Well, yeah, they got uh, potentially one of the two-year, uh, two two-way player of the year candidates, Rory. Um, I'm not going to take a Sir shot. Imagine. Oh, I guess we're not Sir doing uh, worse tonight. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> not out of three. So, so Rory's been a formidable defender in Division Three. I think La Flamme is is one of the up-and-coming uh, studs on the stud, but one of the one of the premier players in the mid to to soon to be higher divisions. Uh, so that's definitely going to be an interesting matchup. They definitely have Rory who could potentially put a um, a cog in his wheel, but uh, we'll see if that actually comes to fruition. Is Rory smudging fast enough, Simon, to stop? Hey, <laughs> uh, I think it's not a matter of speed to stop yourself. He's a very physical player. Yeah, you need to also be very physical. He's Which not that's the thing is, Junker Dogs excel at that, but I like they still also excel at that. So I, I, I was even surprised to see how Junker Dogs beat them the first time around. Yeah, I'm a bit shocked by that, to be honest. But uh, this is a better Lista team than it, they were earlier in the season. They've added defensive players that pushes them over the top. Any team that adds like a seed to their defensive team is just much better. Do you think their defense is actually better though, or was there they 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 allowed fewer points in the final two weeks of the year? Uh, was that more of a function of playing weaker opponents, or was that their defense actually collectively coming together down the stretch? I think it's a bit of both. Like they, yes, they play weaker teams, but also like I was there when they played the crew, and their defense looked nothing like the one I faced. That's a scary concept. The stud oh, yeah, with yeah, a, yeah. with an actual defense. Yeah, and they still going to put up forty five points. Regularly, I don't think Junker Dogs has the ability to put up 45. Um, which you picks? The stud. studs. I'm gonna take the studs as well. Same clean sweep. KGP two seed. Martin Le Flag at the seven seed. Are you guys surprised to see KGP at the two seed given how uh, imbalanced the season? Five? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. five and five. A little bit. It's just a matter of, well, if Martin Flag would have won that game against Score Your Girlfriend, they would have been the second seed. They mm. played they in week four. KGP won 44 to 18. I also have a hot take for this game. Martin Flag, easiest schedule in Div 3. Their average opponent win rate was 383. KGP was second easiest at 400. False Kings. <laughs> False Kings. Oh, yeah, big time. Paper crowns. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun game because they play each other. I think they're probably wow. The two, the, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think they're the two weakest team in. You, you you think you you think that it's gonna be a good game because of the passing of time. <laughs> he oh, thinks, yeah. therefore he knows. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're the like this thing is scheduled to happen, therefore <laughs> it will happen. <laughs> no, no, they're the two weakest team in Conference A in the playoffs right now. By playing each other, it makes it the closest. I mean, but one's two seed, so yeah. K- KGP though has has a couple of guest stars that appeared on the roster throughout the course of the season. I, I think. Um, 
Uh, Jeremy Anderson may have been one, or uh, somebody correct me where I'm wrong, but they have a couple of guys who played five games exactly who helped their offense. And it's going to be a, a big guessing game of who's actually there for them, right? Because this is a team that's been there in the big moments, has won in the past, never the the, the, the championship, but has, has gone quite far in the playoffs for a few stretches. Uh, Phil Cutler, you're talking about a guy who knows how to deliver. He's had an excellent season once again, potential Hall of Famer. It's all going to come down to who they actually have, what kind of horses they have in the race in this one. Martin the flag, very young, inexperienced team, especially at this level. KGP is going to have the upper hand coming in. Cedric Cabana. Yep. Um, Cedric player. Ten, 10 sacks this season. Do you think he'll pose a threat for smoking Phil Cutler? Phil Cutler is the quarterback in FBF history with the most sacks. I'll leave it at that. H- hence my question. I'll leave it at that. So can you answer my question? Yes. <laughs> All right. Was, I to think have more sacks than Ryan Kastner is impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Feel that seasons with thirty three sacks. That's a crap ton of sacks. That's a lot of sacks. That's a crap. That's ton a lot of sacks. sacks. Um, your your picks to win the game. KGP. I I have to pick KGP, but Martin can win some games, so I don't think it's an obvious one. Uh, I'm going to take Martin just because of the uh, unknown factor of KGP's roster. So f- yeah. to bake in that unpredictability, I'm going to take Martin. I will also bake in the unpredictability. And uh, I'm going to go with Martin and his flag. And again, I think I think the rush component is big. If he, if, if Phil Keller doesn't have the best version of that roster, um, and he has to deal with the rush in his face, and he has to buy time. Well, if they're playing with six, with Jeff was about on defense, it doesn't help them. <laughs> Game over. Um, Les Malud. Take on Cougars. They last played week nine. Malud won that matchup 24 to 19. Is this a bad matchup for Cougars? Uh, I don't think so. I think that uh, Cougars, that when they played each other, uh, AJ Gomes wasn't there, mm-hmm. which is like a key part to Cougars' offense and defense. Cougars is a much better team than they were. Their defense is much better than they were earlier in the season. They're learning a lot. Uh, they. Rec- they need to play against guys who are weak against the jump ball. For instance, like Arminio likes to put it up. Uh, def- the, the key to Limarod is their defense. This is going to be another low-scoring game. But in that favor, if it comes down to it, I, I like Cougars' chances. Given Anthony Beauchamp's season, 40 touchdowns, 7 receptions, are you surprised they weren't a higher seed? Is that a good season or a bad season? I mean, it's, it's solid all around, right? And Not right. really. If you look, so look at Division Three, right? This year, Simo, um, all the quarterbacks they have wicked stats this year. Uh, Sixty-one for the top quarterback, Caron. Uh, 50, 52 for Janvier, and then there's a plethora of them who are all in the high forties to low fifties range. So for a team to go eight and two and their quarterback to only throw forty touchdowns, that's far below the average for the division. And uh, you can okay, tell the, seeing, the reason for their success I, I, is obviously their defense. Well, but I, I meant. Uh, what I meant by that, though, is it's solid in that he's not turning over the ball, and that and we know the Malad's defense will call, will create turnovers, right? So, so to see them as a three seed, I see them as a potentially very dangerous team, sort of lurking in the well, middle of that of that three bracket, seed just because of the the two division factor, right? Like yeah, the second best overall, they, they lost to the studs, so that gives them the the head to head edge. That's the reason they were first until they, they lost against. Uh, Two weeks ago, they lost a, like a huge upset. They mm-hmm. lost the game. They lost so, to the Brotherhood. Brotherhood, yeah. So they lost one game that took away the first seed from them. But at this point, I don't think it really matters. In Div three, 
everyone everybody's like good so it shouldn't the seating is not super important we have comments from facebook from brian huffman saying the cougars suck especially when aj gomes calls the defense they get lost okay okay brian all right huff huffman sucks i've never seen him on the field he's terrible yeah six the uh is the, is the new That's the report from the Huff uh, Mannington Post. <laughs> Throw back at you though is 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 Cougars a bad matchup for um, Le Malut? I um, I don't think so. I I think I just the way the Malut play defense and, and the way they disrupt routes early in in the progression of the route. I I think that will create issues for the way Arminio Yerluka calls his plays. Yes. So I what happens is again he'll the reason he will air out the ball a lot is because the first look isn't there. Yeah. And that's when we see Arminio Yeluka struggle. The the worst matchup for Meadow would have been Brotherhood. Correct. And it almost happened. Very close to happen. So considering they drew they drew Cougars instead, it's it's a better draw. Brotherhood do a better version of what Malud do essentially. With with more I speed. think they're more efficient at countering it. Mm. Like brotherhood are used to being jammed off the line and are used to playing against guys. But even but on defense, I'm saying yep. they uh, even at that they, they do yeah. the better version of what Malud yep. do. Brotherhood, when they beat Malud two weeks ago, they brought the heat um, emotionally. It was a very passionate game. They were in the Malud's face, and I don't want to say the Malud were, were pushed back by it because they're a very collected, calm bunch. But you can tell that they were a little bit. Uh, surprised by it, something they hadn't encountered so far this year, a team bringing that kind of heat. I think the Cougars, in a similar vein, are like that in a way. They bring a lot of emotional heat to the field, especially in the playoffs. They're going to tune it up. Personally, I like the way Arminio spread the ball this season. Uh, if you look at his receivers, a lot of them have close to 400 yards and at least five to seven touchdowns. Arminio himself has about 2,300 uh, passing yards. So I really like this contrast of Cougars offense versus Malud's stifling defense. It's going to be one of the better matchups in the first round for me. Picks. Malud. Cougars. I got Cougars. I got Cougars as well. <laughs> Lightweight take on the Brotherhood. Hey! Um, uh, they, they last played week nine. Lightweight won 35-25. However, Brotherhood didn't have Jamil Gittins, and they didn't have Theo Ojea. One and none, baby. Um, you should have retired. Have some confidence, man. For the love of God. So every <laughs> Set a new INT record. Every time, well, style. Every time uh, Theo Ojea is there and Lightweight plays... 0-4, uh, baby. It is awful. 0-4, baby. The record's not good. And, like, so... But the thing that's confusing to me... And I'm also in a group chat with you. <laughs> where I've had this conversation <laughs> with you. More than you that. know what to do. Well... You refuse. Well, you it. say that. Yeah. But... No, because here's the thing is... You also play into it because you give Brotherhood exactly what they want. Okay, so okay, so f- because you want to bring it up, tell me what to do to bring to beat the Brotherhood. Okay, and then on the other side, we have another quarterback who played against them. We can tell you whether that's going to work or not. So, every time you've played Brotherhood, Theogia is typically when it's not man is typically deep in coverage, dropping from the middle of the field. Okay, which exposes a hole in the middle of the field that you need to attack as your first read. Correct. He doesn't always play the same posi- from the same position. I mean, there's two people in that group chat who believe otherwise. That's okay. I've seen one him of them is on your team. I've seen him play the middle safety and the corner position. Mm-hmm. Right, so that doesn't drop the same way. But when he's there, so what we've said is 
that the thing with Simon Dajne is yes. he will not change his game plan regardless of who he plays against. And my thing is, is that if you get that look from Theo, yes. you're still going to lose because you're not going to change what you do. Okay. I'm not going to tell them what I'm going to do. Simon Dagenet is the typical Jekyll and Hyde at the field. Uh, you can tell from the f- after the first drive from his strut along the sidelines. If he has the Simon strut, you know it's going to be a big game for him and uh, he's going to be on. If he doesn't have the Simon strut, and it's, it's, it's a nice little hip wiggle. and uh, I believe uh, it's called the all-star strut. The all-star strut. If he summons the all-star early on, then you know it's going to be a good night. If he, if he, if he doesn't, then it's not. Uh, with Theo Ojeha... Um, he, he loves to read your eyes and to uh, try to jump routes, um, especially in the deeper part of the field. So if you're going to have any ad- ad- a success against him, you're going to have to work through him primarily, look him off, and then run your play to the other side of the field. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to have success because Brotherhood are still stacked defensively yeah. after that. So it's definitely uh, not a fun matchup. But there are little crevices there in the field that uh, well, are exploitable. Invincible. The, honestly, the one thing that... I won't say word. The one thing that I am hopeful for mm-hmm. is TOJ has not been playing well this season. As a whole, as a quarterback, he mm-hmm. has not been playing well. He's also been injured. Yes. He's no longer injured. Which, again, like it, it is what it is. But his season as a whole, if you look at his stats, they're not great. So we have to bank on the fact that he's going to have a bad game. Things Simo doesn't do well is... Cook. cook. Clean. <laughs> pay bills. I'm actually a great cook. Do a pay podcast. Bills pay bills. Uh, <laughs> Do Thinks Simon doesn't do well in the football field. In man refuses to run rub concepts. Instead, tries to put the ball over the top. He's going to pay the price for that. Oh I'm God. seeing as if, as if you're Simon not here. Disney is Mike McCarthy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, it's true because you also only run ISO concepts. Yes, uh, like Mike McCarthy. Uh, the other thing is that when you're when the defense is shaking you. All you do is go back to your same place and don't call plays to to counteract what they're giving you. Okay. So that's why I think Brotherhood will win this game easily. Okay. So in the same group chat, we've had the same discussion. This is a f- fiercely personal uh, no, it's okay. intervention to, to going we, on right now. Yeah, <laughs> to which trying to help him. He's my friend. Yeah, okay. <laughs> to which we, we ended the discussion with that was true in 2017. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced you're going to get the same thing. Okay. Week. That's okay. I'm not saying we're going to win. If I put up 40 points, I'll be super... Even if we lose, I'll be super happy. I'll be ecstatic. I'm not going to put up... Happy with a loss. I'm not, not going to put up put, 40. Put that, on your, put that on your tombstone. Happy with a loss. I believe in you, Simon. I think that uh, Brotherhood have been um, uh, fallible at times this year, and now they're shaping into form. Theo's healthy. They've been playing hot, uh, so on and so forth. But I think that um, you've been playing well also this year, and you shouldn't take away from that. Go into the game confident. Let's summon the all-star, and let's see what happens. Roll the dice, baby. Oh, we're going to have to. We're not going to forfeit. You pick. I'm taking Brotherhood. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. The comedic timing couldn't have been better. Uh, Eagle, pick Brotherhood. Oh, yeah. Simo, your pick? Ah, let me by 50. No, come on, you real pick. <laughs> <laughs> we all know. I can't pick I can't pick this game. Uh, Justin Blanchard just texted, he said Brotherhood by 20. Yeah, on it, realistically, I'm taking Brotherhood. Okay. But I think it's going to be closer than in the past. I think it will be close, too. Um, let's keep it moving. Alpha T's take on Sweat and Beers. They last played week one. Alpha T's won 41-32. They are not the 11 seed, as the, as the bracket says. They are the one seed. 11 seed. You're correct. It's uh, a mistake in the graphic. 
Uh, we did a lot of graphics in a short period of time. It happened. The Alpha It's a typo. It's Alpha T season. It's playoffs. They're too good. Sweat and Beers had a good season. Yeah. Very much happy better than I thought. They, they were able to do. I think that regardless of what's going to happen, they're going to be able to put up a lot of points against the Alpha Tees. The only thing is Sweat and Beers defense is essentially MIA. So the Alpha Tees are also going to put up points. And it's going to come down to the last possession and a half if uh, Sweat and Beers are able to control it. Clock manage to get that one extra possession before the half, which most likely will not happen because the Alpha Tees knows not to give the it, It's just a tough matchup all around for Sweat and Beers, man. Uh, they rely on uh, Rocco Cristiano as their um, as their primary outlet on offense, and uh, the Alpha Tees are just so stacked defensively. I think they're going to swarm him, force Robbie. Robbie's excellent at at uh, making lemons out of uh, lemonade out of the lemons that are granted to him, but I think even he won't be able to squeeze any exotic juice out of out of this one. Uh, the Alpha Tees are going to roll. Exotic juice. Make, make the case now for Sweat and Beers. How do they win this game? Well, just uh, so Sweat and Beers win this game. Robbie Robinson summons vintage Robbie from uh, early 2010 seasons uh, at quarterback for VPC, lights them up, goes score to score with Jesse Dupree, and himself makes the key stop down the line uh, to give his uh, team the final drive to push ahead and get the win. You think we need to put a new rule into the rule book saying there's no summoning rituals allowed in the field? <laughs> there's no what? No summoning rituals. Yeah. Well, who's summoning? Well, Simo's Suppers. summoning all-stars. These guys are summoning uh, vintages. Vintages. Uh, wine, specifically. That's what Aldo said. Yeah. You weren't paying attention? Yeah, I know. You make fun of me for using no, the same objectives. We're, we're, you we're, we're making fun of Hollowack currently. What's the summon? I can't. <laughs> go on, go on, go on. Like you, Next you game. You, you try to accuse me of not, make, of not listening while not listening. You are not listening. Go on. Go on. Your pick. Shut up. Alpha T's are taking this one. Taddies. I agree as well. They do not lose in the playoffs. Not in, the, not in this round. Uh, blue Chips, shit. Blue Chips won 35-32 in week two. However, they had Jordan Mitchell. This week. They do not. So I don't, I See, that's listening. I don't think that shit is invincible. I've seen them play. They've made some mistakes. The only thing is... Blue chips without Jordan Mitchell will not be competitive. So someone who's here's your from Gastro earlier this year can say the shit can be invincible. <laughs> so. so here's your options: Denzel Thompson, Edward Valme, Henry Oraye, uh, Jose Baba, Kenneth Mitchell, Marcus Mitchell, Nehemi Sisuna. I hope I pronounced that right. And Sanders Armand. Who's your QB? It's going to be one of the Mitchell brothers, for yeah, I sure. Think Marcus, Marcus I think. Yeah, I don't, you know, it's not necessarily a good thing, but I think it's the best. Well, they don't have a choice. Right? They don't have a choice, right? Guess how many attempts Marcus Mitchell has had in his life. Seven. Actually, more than that. 15. 37. Oh. 15. Guess how many completions he's had. Nine. 27. Guess how many TDs. 27. Why? why? Why are we doing this? <laughs> he's asking me to guess and then not letting me guess. Um, I, I don't think you can look. Host? I don't think you should look too much into that, though, because obviously there's circumstances where maybe it was a pitch back or an end around, and the defense. The majority collapsed. of them are that exactly. So I, I think, given the pressure that uh, this South Harmon Institute of Technology that gets uh, nauseating to repeat too many times are, are going to bring on him, I think it's going to be a complete overwhelming environment. However, uh, South Harmon did look horrible last week, yep. getting destroyed by. Um, uh, Sh- scored your girlfriend, girlfriend. 
Uh, so um, I, I hope that, that they don't have the, any lingering after effects from that game. I think and you also do. have to remember that Marcus Mitchell's carrying this team on offense, right? 44 receptions, 500 yards, 19 touchdowns. No one else is even close. So if he's QB, who's throwing? Who's he throwing to? He's who's throwing to Sanders Armand. It's going to be a jump ball, and it's going to be over and over again. I, listen, I think this is just a very lucky draw from shit. I don't... If they would have played blue chips at full strength, I would have said blue. I would have picked. Fav- I would have picked blue chips, but without the quarterback, they're not gonna win. On the other side, Jake Applebaum had probably his best season. But um, it was a very up and down season. I mean, 115 quarterback rating, yeah, no. very good completion percentage. Yeah. Didn't turn the ball over. Uh, 46 touchdowns is you know up there in Division Three. He had a dream um, receiving core. Yeah, uh, in Division yeah. Three, uh, I agree with Simon. I've seen him play a couple times. There's been weeks where he's, or you can tell if Jake early in the game if it's going to be one of those games for him. Uh, either the ball is sharp and he makes decisions quickly and it's thrown with confidence, or it's off his back foot, uh, wobblers into traffic. You know, and that's when you know what Jake you're dealing with. And the thing with with Jake Abbaum is he gave up 13 sacks. He also throw, throws a lot off his back foot, as you pointed out. Uh, will the rush have an impact on this game? Yes. The problem is, if the game's not close and shits up by three scores, it won't matter. When you're a quarterback and you know that your defense is going to stop them every single time, you're in a different zone mentality, and Jake's going to be cruising in, in this yeah. game. Picks, obviously. Shit. Yeah, South Harmon. Do Shit. we all agree? Mm-hmm. It's a shitty time of it. I hate when we all agree. Uh, Dirty Dogs scored your GF. This is amazing. They last played yeah. week five. Dirty Dogs won 46-39. Scorgy's girlfriend had to win back-to-back to make the playoffs. Did very impressively. Uh, I really like what Scorgy's girlfriend's been doing last second half of the season. Good offense, good defense. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who rushes Ryan Leninowski and how efficient he's going to be. Because if you allow Ryan to run in the pocket... Who do you think it should be? Their fastest guy, even though he likes to play safety. Whoever's the fastest on your team needs to rush. Who's the fastest on the team? I don't know who the fastest guy on the team is. A lot of the guys are fast. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to say, man? You know what I want you to say. They, they use Bruno Pravache as a rusher mostly. I, is he the fastest guy on the field? He's a, a crazy athlete. So, but it also is like C-Fax or DV. Mm-hmm. So I think that what could also work is using more than one rusher. Correct. Just switch it up. I hate playing against multiple rushers. To be honest, there's a, a thing none of teams do. Uh, we all play uh, quarterback, though none of us is as good as Holowak. Um, <laughs> how do you? Because I don't like on a personal note, and 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 Simon spoke that too. Is when when they change rushers, even for a slower rusher, I find at times it can throw you off because you're just used to a different pace. Do you feel that? Do you experience that? So. I, I don't um, I don't like to ever toot my own horn in that because I know how success can come and can go real quickly. One advantage that I've had for a while now at quarterback, the one slight advantage is that the rusher means absolutely nothing to me. It could be the it could be the fastest guy, it could be the slowest, the tallest, the shortest. Uh, I, I I've I've trained myself to get the ball out quickly and I take a deep drop. So the the one you can tell the defense will throw me off certain scheme, certain defender rusher will have no impact. Um, uh, upon uh, upon my uh, my game, so no, but uh, so, so so I, honestly, I don't or care. You, you're more handsome. You're better quarterback. I don't care. <laughs> but even even <laughs> if let's say you're looking for your first read, right, or you're looking for something, and then you realize, shit, I can't put the ball there. That extra half second you would have to go for your second read that you wouldn't have with a faster rusher doesn't he bother say you. He'd be so fast. 
It doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I'm saying that the ball it gets out of my hand quick. But with the, the thing is, with with a rusher now, you're looking at different factors. You can have a you can have a fast rusher who can't tackle worth a lick. So you just have to sidestep your hip a bit, and he's flying 20 yards downfield. Whereas you can have a slow rusher who breaks down better. It takes a little bit longer to get to you, but make sure that he's grabbing your flag on his first attempt. So there's a lot of give and take. Just because a guy's fast does not mean he's going to be a, a good rusher. Uh, but rusher is certainly a valuable position, right? Um, I, I think that the thing the, the thing is with Ryan uh, Lewinsky um, is that uh, he goes through phases where he decides if he wants to run or if he decides he wants to pass. And we've seen him become a prominent pa uh, pocket passer this year on numerous occasions. Um, so the run is always there in his back pocket. But we'll see if he gets comfortable in this game. You probably won't even see him moving that much. He'll just be looking to tear up the defense with his pass. You move the letters around in his name. Lilinowski. Correct letters, wrong order. Oh, my apologies. Lilinowski. Um, but you, you, look, you look across the board, uh, Sahara Cohen, Jordan Panetta, Dave Chidiat, Carl Panier, uh, who hasn't even, just by virtue of all the guys on his team, hasn't even had the kind of season he, he could have had on, on a, on a roster was built kind of differently. Uh, is well, this the best uh, roster we've seen Dirty Dogs put together? And do you think they can be stopped in this game? Well, Carl gets a decent amount of targets, but he also has a lot of drops. Like he, it is what it is. I think that when Jordan Panetta is playing, Jordan takes those targets away. Mm -hmm. So the like the the number one receiver is Michael Chidiat, uh, Dave Chidiat. Yeah. N number two receiver becomes Jordan Panetta. Number three receiver, then it's like a toss up between Carl and like JC Binet and like. You're you forgetting about Sahar Cohen. Yeah, Sahar Cohen's got 45 catches. Yeah, but Sahar is playing and the snapper, majority of the team. and yes. he gets a lot of underneath. Wait, he's still he's still getting the targets, discards, right? Discards, right? Like it's instead of Ryan running, he learned to taught to give it to a snapper. Mm -hmm. Right, so all in all, I think that it still remains a very one-dimensional offense that goes through Dave Chidiat first. If you're sure. able to shut down Dave Chidiat, Dirty Dogs are going to struggle. Which not particularly. Which is hasn't really been done because he's a division one player. Does Score UGF have the personnel to stop the Dirty Dogs offense? I think they're fast enough. I think a man on like one on one. I don't think so. I think a guy like Bruno Provarchi could line up against Dave Chidiat well. Mm -hmm. But across the board, if they play zone, I think they're fast enough and they're aggressive enough to cause issues. Ryan, Ryan's got a... Uh, he calls good plays. He calls he good plays. Uh, surprised that was, me. Honestly, that was the, the knock against them before. Is yeah. His play calling was atrocious. He has since learned that the plays that he was calling, that he learned from you know, having played with Ryan Castor, for example, don't necessarily fit his skill set. Yeah. And he started to adapt the same concepts plays that now fit his style. I, I typically saw him as a receiver playing quarterback, yeah. and I think he's grown in that quarterback role over the past couple of seasons. And uh, another thing he does very well is he's got ice in his veins in a clutch situation. So third and ten or something, he more than often than not will come up with the play uh, oh, yeah, despite yeah. the uh, circumstances. But they also take chances too. Like if it's third and ten, he's not afraid of going for like the touchdown. Mm -hmm. like, like to a midfield at certain time you could take the you could run before it used to run to that so you would make it like a seven yard run get fourth and three and then you get yourself a chance but you have also the opportunity of just hitting underneath and get the similar scenario through a pass but now he's not afraid of throwing like the corner for 25 yards can the dirty dogs though and I think this this might be the, one of the key factors in the game can the dirty dogs stop uh, score your girlfriend on defense I think they have the right defense to do it. They got some good defenders overall. I think they're they're annoying to play against because their their safeties and Dave Chiat and Ryan Lenowski weirdly don't look great, but mad they're fast. 
and mm. they they cover a lot of ground quickly. And you may if you're not you if you're not seeing it, you're gonna make a mistake at least once, and that's a turnover right there. And usually one turnover in the three is enough to win a game. I think Dirty Dogs are one of those opportunistic defenses. Yep. They're not going to stop you consistently, but they are going to turn you over at least once a game, and we'll see if that's enough. Yep. Picks. Dogs. Dogs. Scored your girlfriends. I'm going Dirty Dogs. All righty. Those are our picks. The crew take on Bearskins. Crew been fun to watch, man. They Crew's last played week seven. Bearskins won 26-12. Crew's the only team to beat the Alpha this season. Yeah. Well, it wasn't the crew, though. Yeah. It was the Braves 3.0, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Well, half the crew, half the Braves. Hot take. I'll take crew it. with the hardest schedule in Div 3 at 622 average opponent strength. And so that's 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 a really tough schedule. Um, it's but a brand new team. Yeah, the brand right. new. Playing is a tough schedule and still look this good. They Their first few weeks, they were rusty. We played the crew week four, I believe. And they were still making some mistakes that I haven't seen them make in the last three weeks. Their offense is better. Their defense is better. They're calling better plays. Their play calling on defense is also better. They're learning, right? Like, if it's your first game ever in FPF, you're not. You could be great tackle players, but that doesn't make you great FPF players. So the Bearskins are confident going into this one. Uh, they won the first matchup. Uh, they believe history will repeat itself. And... Um, Speaking to some of the guys on the roster, they think they have the game plan to match up versus the crew uh, defensively, at least. So, uh, what do you think? Um, how? What do you think the the Bearskins' offense is going to look like versus the uh, crew's defense? You think Neil Edison is going to have the juice in this one? So, it's always tough to know which Neil Edison is going to be at the game, right? Mm-hmm. He has games where he literally can't miss a throw. Uh, he, when he runs, everyone just dives and falls on the floor <laughs> and misses his flags. He's got great basketball. Uh, Don't understand. Yeah, it must be because like, like, I've literally watched games of the week. where just, it, just, it looks like a, like a comedy skit, like a Monty Python thing where dudes are just falling, collapsing around him. <laughs> yeah. you know? looks, like looks like a piece of paper falling over or a paper tree falling <laughs> over. But, but he, um, he's a very uh, streaky quarterback. Right? Like if he starts off good, then he's like unstoppable. Mm-hmm. But if the first drive goes bad, like he, he's going to take a shot deep because that's what he does. He's going to take a shot deep to either Marco or Sasha. Marco Bertoli or Sasha Papic. If the crew expects it and takes that away, Neil sort of crumbles. Well, they the do now. I'll give you uh, one name for this game, uh, Sasha Papic. He was unlocked, I think, in week 11. He had a big game uh, receiving. And uh, if they call his name up, he's going to be tough to uh, to deny in this encounter. Uh, he's, he's been Neil's go-to for what years. Time, what for did he years? summon? Pardon? What do you believe he summoned? Sasha? Yeah. He's going to summon uh, a machete. Uh, to, to, <laughs> to, well, he's, he, he, he lives in the Amazon, essentially, right? So oh. he's... he's uh, I he's thought you were saying that he's going to summon a machete because you're getting pissed off at me making fun of you and you're going to throw a machete at me <laughs> <laughs> for the night's over. Um, Emile Telfair, Robin Messier, and... Um, the name escapes me. And uh, Hugo Lassier. Combined for 1,400 yards of receivers. It's crazy. Um, I know Bearskins believe they have the, the game plan. Can you game plan against that that explosive an offense? The, okay, so I, I've seen a lot of the crew this season. I've seen at least four games. And I honestly, I'm not too sure what they're doing. <laughs> like, I, like I've okay. seen a lot of plays, <laughs> so many different plays that use so many different styles. That I don't think you could actually game plan saying, "This is what." Like, if you play me, you know what I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. We just I, talked about yeah. that. But if I've seen these guys play and I've seen them use completely different concepts throughout different games, does that kind of help though? Uh, oh, being 100%. that they're not from FPF, 
that they're going to run plays that you don't that aren't from the FPF lexicon? Alternatively, uh, um, Marco Bertoli is a great defensive play caller. He doesn't mm-hmm. get enough credit for it. He's trained at the school of uh, Vince Nardone. They have great defensive minds on that team between Marco Bertoli, Sean Avram, and, and, and uh, Vinny Golano. Sean, stop. So, stop, Sean. Sean's a great defensive play caller. Come on. Great defensive play Come caller. On. Absolutely, I'll stand by that. So, given so what you said about he's, the crew, he's gonna be better at that than spelling. I'll give you that. Yeah, well, for sure, of course, uh, East End, bro. But uh, so, so, is the crew's unorthodox offense? Are is there gonna be a th- um, is there gonna be a fork thrown into their thing from the Bearskins' shifty defensive play calling? Right, Marco Bertoli well, is setting saying, different guys, looks. Is, is because they do things that we do not we're not used to seeing in FPF. Because look, we all, everyone runs a variety of the same concepts, right? Of course. And then it, it happens all the time. Like Braves came in, and that was one of the things: is oh, they they're bringing in some stuff that we haven't really seen before, and 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 we see this now with with, with the crew. There's one play from everything I've seen from the crew. There's one play that's very repetitive that they run often. Mm-hmm. It's from this one. It's there's one play that's very repetitive is the drag from one of their players. They use it repeatedly. It works because the guy is so fast. Yeah. And the connection's there. I think that if there's one play that you could predict and stop, that's it. But aside mm-hmm. from that, realistically, it's a very good team that uses the field in many ways. Moving on. Yeah. Picks? Uh, yeah. I pick... Uh, I'm going to go to the crew. I'm going to take the Bearskins. I think they're going to thwart them uh, defensively. Bias. Jashan even bias. I'm going to go to the crew as well. Nice. Marco and Papich are both on my Div 2 team. So, <laughs> so much high fives you missed. No, Come on, Mom- Moment's gone forever. So we got three crews versus one bearskins. I just want to put that on record. Absolutely. I still feel bad. It's not. It's not that I don't like the bearskins. It's that I hate Sean Avery. Yes. Thank you, Simon. Yes. Thank you, Eagle. Got him. Thank you, uh, Holowak. Eagle, say your thing about playoffs. I don't need to. Everyone knows it. Thank you all for letting me be myself. It's a bunch of new teams in three. What are you saying? But yeah, the crew, man. They don't know. <laughs> What's the play? Okay, What's the stupid overtime rule? Home team gets the pick. Overtime rules. Turn your mic off. 